Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 17 tonight. Proverbs chapter 17. Let's start off with a word of prayer tonight. The Father, we come. We're thankful for this Lord's Day. We're thankful for our Savior, Jesus. We're thankful for the ability to come tonight and to gather as your people, uh, to come and to hear from you and your word. I pray that tonight you would speak. I pray that you would lead us, that you would teach us, that you would direct us tonight in your word. Lord, we tell you, we're, we're thankful again for your word that is living, that is relevant, that is timely, and that speaks to us tonight. I pray that we will take in your wisdom and that in that wisdom that we will live it out, that we will walk it out in obedience. Again, we praise you in this time. We pray that you're known and you're glorified through it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, we're going to resume our study in Proverbs. As we do, you may have noticed a large portion of the Proverbs. Now, there are some other sections, but a large portion of it is contrasting wisdom and foolishness. That is the reoccurring thing that we see there, and it's one of the ways that God shows us wisdom, that he instructs us in wisdom, is by also showing us what foolishness looks like. And so it's really two sides of a coin. He shows us what wisdom is, but at the same time, to instruct us in that, he shows us what foolishness looks like as well. Well, here's the truth tonight. In every single area, I want you to think about this, in every single area, in every situation, and with every decision, we either operate in wisdom, in ignorance, or in foolishness. And it's that cut and dry. You can pick the situation that you're in, you can pick the decision that you have made or that you are making, and in that area, in that situation, in that decision, you're either operating in wisdom, in ignorance, or in foolishness. Now, God wants us to operate in wisdom. In fact, he goes to great lengths to give us his wisdom. Now, I want you to remember as we think about that, wisdom is godly wisdom. And there, there's no other form of wisdom. Uh, true wisdom is godly wisdom. There's no other wisdom apart from godly wisdom. We want to operate according to God's wisdom. Now, it would be crazy to want to operate according to something else. Here's the God that is pure, that is just, that is kind, and he's infinite in wisdom. We want to operate according to God's wisdom. And so wisdom is godly wisdom. Ignorance is not knowing. It means you do not know the wise step or the wise thing. You do not know the wise decision. It just simply means you are ignorant of, you do not possess the correct information. Now, here's the truth. God does not want us to operate in ignorance as well. And so he gives us his wisdom. He doesn't want us to be without his wisdom, and so he gives it to us. Then foolishness is something altogether different. Foolishness is knowing what is right, knowing what is God's desire, and then doing the opposite thing. The Bible makes that clear. That person is a fool. That's what the Bible says. They are a fool. 
Well, again, God wants us to move and to decide and to live with godly wisdom. Now, here's something. There's actually no need not to decide to move and to live according to godly wisdom. We say, well, the situation, well, this. There is no need to not move, to operate, or to decide in godly wisdom. That's a crazy thought. All the, the, the bad decisions we make, all the crazy things we get ourselves into, there is no reason not to operate in godly wisdom. He gives us his wisdom. Well, in that understanding, let's go back to our verses tonight. We're starting in chapter 17 tonight with verse 15. And again, we're just moving verse by verse through chapter 17 tonight. All right, starting in verse 15, God's word says this. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Now, there are two people in verse 15 one of them justifies the wicked. Now, what that means is these people, they make right the actions of the wicked or they excuse the actions of the wicked. They overlook the actions of the wicked. Now, very simply, here's what they do. They call what is wrong right. They justify the wicked. These folks... They call what is wrong, what is evil, right. Now, the other set of people in verse 15, they condemn the righteous. These are people that do the exact opposite of that. They call the good actions of the righteous person wrong. Here's a righteous person, and they have good actions, and this person comes along and calls their good actions wrong. Or very simply, they call what is right, wrong. These two types of people in verse 15, one calls wrong, right, and the other calls right, wrong. And the Bible says both of them are an abomination to the Lord. Now that's a heavy word. Uh, The word means loathsome, detestable. That's what it means. It actually means this, God loathes them, these two types of people. He detests these two types of people. He cannot stand these types of people. Both of those people, God detests and he loathes. Now, why is that? It is because they are opposite of him. They are opposite of his nature. He is righteous And he calls what is right, right, always. And he calls what is wrong, wrong, always. And he is not swayed by who does either. He doesn't care if you're impressive. He doesn't care if he owes you one. And somebody thinks, well, he has to see me in a different light. If you're wrong, you're wrong. And if you're right, you're right. And he, in his righteousness, calls right, right, and wrong, wrong. In 2 Timothy, if you read the third chapter, 
In the first 17 verses there, it is describing this process. These will be the signs of the last days. How do you know you're living in the last days before Jesus comes? It says in that section that men can't come to the understanding of truth. They can't say what's wrong. They can't say what's right. They say it's all relative. And they run to evil and they flee from what is good. Now, more than that, they celebrate what is evil and they mock what is good. That is our day, is it not? Over and over and over again, that is our day. What God has said is sin. People come along and say, well, that's changed. That's too hard. That's intolerant. And we change that. They're okay with that. Or what God says is good, they come along and say, you know what, that, that's hateful. And they mock that. And they twist it upside down. Well, this proverb is warning us to mark and to avoid those people. If they're saying what is good is bad and what is bad is good, this proverb says to mark and avoid those people because even God detests them. Even God can't stand them. You find a person and they're twisting that, we're to mark them, we're to avoid them, we're to stay away from them. Verse 16. Why is there a price in the hand of a fool to buy wisdom when he has no sense? This this is illogical. Why is there a price in the hand of a fool to buy wisdom when he has no sense? Now, that's kind of complicated to understand. Let me explain it. This is a person who reports or represents to want wisdom. This is a person and they act like they are ready to receive wisdom. The Bible says when getting, get wisdom. When buying, buy wisdom. Well, this is a person and they are acting like they're ready to receive wisdom. And yet the Bible says, yet they have no sense. It literally translates, they are dumb. They are dumb. That's what it translates. In the lead off of the verse, it identifies this person as a fool. That's our indication. A fool, again, is a person that knows what's best, that knows what to do, but doesn't do it. Here's the question of the verse. Why are they there to get wisdom when they have no sense, when they are dumb, because they're not going to use that wisdom? That's what that verse means. Why are these folks acting like, hey, I'm here and I'm going to get wisdom, They're pretending like they're ready to receive wisdom when the truth is they have no sense and they're not going to use that wisdom. Now, there's two things to notice here in that 16th verse. First, watch out for that person. And second, do not be that person. Do not be a person that says, oh, I'm here on Sunday night. I want to hear these Proverbs and I'm ready to receive wisdom, but have no sense not to practice that wisdom. Or mark those people And watch out for those people. Here's the thing about verse 16. It is all about intent. It is all about motivation. Are you going to be a doer of the word? Or are you going to be a senseless person, literally a dumb person, 
that hears only. You ever talk to somebody, and as you're talking to them, maybe you're telling them something, and it's important, and it's needed information, it's necessary information. You ever talk to somebody, I can think of several folks like this, and when you're talking to them, they're already not listening. And there's folks like that, I don't know if they're thinking about the next thing they're going to say, I don't know if they're somewhere else. But you're talking to somebody, and it's important. I got something to tell you, and it bears weight. And you're talking to them, and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. But, but they're looking over your shoulder, yeah, okay, yeah. And they're not listening to you. You can slip something in. Sometimes we do this. That You know what? A green donkey ran down the street. Yeah, that's right. And you're in the middle of telling them something. They're, they're disagreeing. Yeah, that's okay. That's, that is right. And they're not listening. They have no intent to act on the words that you're saying. I wonder what God does when we do that to him. And we come along and say, man, my life's a mess and these bad things have happened and I need your wisdom. If, uh, if I had your wisdom, I'd get my finances shaped up and I'd do something differently. And, and he's giving us his wisdom and we're going, yep, yep. We're looking over his shoulder. We have no intent to do what he says. I wonder how many times we come and approach God saying, we want your wisdom, we see the value in your wisdom, and we have no intent to actually carrying it out. That is a senseless person. We listen to the word with the intent and the heart and then the feet that are obedient to carry out the wisdom that God says, here it is. It is silly to receive his wisdom and not act on it, not carry it out. Why is there a price in the hand of the fool to buy wisdom when he has no sense? All right, verse 17. A great verse. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I like verse 17. Verse 17 in a list of people to avoid, here are two people to cherish. And so here we got this list, avoid them, avoid them, avoid them. And now there's a a couple of people that we are to cherish. This is a great verse. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Verse starts off and it says, a friend loves at all times. Let me just say this. A friend, that's how it starts, a friend. I think we are in our culture too quick to call people friends. Now, we want to be friendly. We want to be nice to people. But we're too quick to say, that's my dear friend. That's my good friend. Those are my friends, and they're my friends as well. You see, it's it's a deep thing to actually be a friend. A friend is the Hebrew word for fellow. That's not a fellow. That got fellow over there. It is a fellow. Another than thou was an early translation. It is a reciprocating fellow, one translation. It is different, but the same as. Now, that's kind of interesting. It's a different person, but it's the same. They're the same as, a reciprocating fellow. It is another definition, an intimate friend, a companion, a co-companion, a companion. 
A friend, here's what the Bible says, loves at all times. How do you know when you have a fellow, a friend, a friend loves at all times? Now, what that means is their love is not conditional. That's the way of the world. Their love is not always having to be earned. There's folks, and they'll love you as long as you do this, and as long as you do that, and as long as you do this. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves not when they're impressed with you. A friend loves not always when you're at your best. It's not when you don't mess up. It's not when it serves them. Hey, as long as you're serving me. No, you want to know when you have a fellow, a friend is when they love at all times. A friend is a person that knows you and is like you, a fellow, and that loves you no matter what. Let me ask you the question, what's a a friend worth? They know you, they are like you, and they love you no matter what. And I, I read that, I say, yeah, we're way too quick to call people our friends. Now, the verse goes on and it says, and a brother is born for adversity. A brother is born for adversity. The word brother in the original language means a relative, but I want you to see this, but it's very clear to say, but not only one related by the same mother. And so a brother could be a brother, related by the same mother. But it's not a person that has to be one that is related by having the same mother. Now, I'll just tell you, I know brothers that they're brothers. And I I know brothers back years ago, if you mess with one of those brothers, you better be watching because there's going to be another brother come see you. And if you mess with one brother, you're going to get some more brothers. I know brothers today that, that they're like this and they help each other and they encourage each other and they love each other, and they are brothers. But I know brothers that hate each other. I know brothers that lie about each other. I know brothers that try to cut each other out of the wheel. I know brothers that can't stand each other. It may be related like a brother, but it doesn't have to be. It is the same close relationship as the friend in the earlier part of the verse. Here's the translation. One with affinity a resemblance that is the same as, and and here's the translation, a kindred, a kindred. And so, yes, a brother could be a a flesh and blood brother, but it could also be a person that is carrying the same resemblance. They are a kindred person. It is a deep relationship. Well, it goes on and it says that brother, that kindred, is born. Now, that is a phrase that sets their purpose. It means their sent purpose. Now, let me explain that to you. It's like if I came along and said, I'm born to run. Y'all know me, I'm born to run. Now, y'all know that's a lie, but I could say that. I'm born to run. I'm born to do this. I'm born to eat chicken fried steak. I'm born for that. That is their sent purpose. Well, this verse says a brother, a kindred is born. That means they exist for, 
Watch this, adversity. This person, this kindred, exists for adversity. The word for adversity means trouble, trials, and hardships. Here's what it means. There are people that are built to and serving the purpose of standing with you, blessing you, and upholding you in days of trouble. There are people that do that. They stand with you and they bless you in days of trouble. Here's what I've noticed. I bet you you'll say the same thing. Here's what I've noticed. In the way we operate in society, the way we operate in our culture, most of us know a lot of people. We know a lot of people. We travel through life with a lot of people. That's the truth. I can say, you know what, I know them, and I know them from college, and I know them from when I lived in Lubbock, and I knew them from when I did this, and I knew these folks from out from this area where I grew up. We travel through life with a lot of people. Here's what I've found out. But rare is the person that when trouble comes, and I'm not, I'm not talking about Mickey Mouse trouble. I'm talking about real trouble. Rare is the person that when trouble comes, they come and they serve and they love and they're dependable and they're profitable and they're trustworthy and they bless you in the day of trouble. Here's what I've noticed about our world. When you get in deep trouble, most folks head for the hills. Most folks say, well, you call me if you need me and you know what, they're not gonna answer their phone. If you find a person like that, like this, let me tell you something, God has blessed you. A person that when the trouble comes, they stand with you and are a blessing to you. If you have that person, people like that, God has blessed you. Verse 18, a man lacking in sense pledges and becomes a guarantor in the presence of his neighbor. A man lacking in sense pledges and becomes a guarantor in the presence of his neighbor. Now, lacking in sense, it is the same idea as a fool, a dumb person. It says they pledge. They become a guarantor in the presence of their neighbor. It means there is a witness. A guarantor is a person that is on the hook for something. They're on the hook for something. Uh, if you borrow and you, are, and you sign the note, you're on the hook for that. If you co-sign for somebody else, you're on the hook for that. If you lend somebody your name and your credibility, you're on the hook for that. It is a person that is on the hook for something or someone. Long time ago, it's funny as I talk, I see my examples are missing a whole lot of folks. A long time ago, now, there was a cartoon called Popeye. I don't know if anybody remembers that. On Popeye, there was a guy called Wimpy. Remember Wimpy? Wimpy went around, and here's what he said. I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. And that's what he did in the cartoon. He went around, and if he ran into the guy, he said, I'll gladly pay you tomorrow. I'll gladly pay you on Tuesday for a hamburger today. This guy had made a career out of eating on credit. 
I thought about that this afternoon. That's actually what we do when we eat on a credit card. We say, I'll eat my steak today, but I'll pay you next on the 31st. Here's the thing about Wimpy. He made promises he never intended to keep. I will gladly pay you on Tuesday, on Thursday, for my hamburger today. He went around and made promises he never intended to keep. Now, my guess is this. Wimpy was probably pretty hard to find on Tuesdays. That's my guess. Now, I don't don't want to slander him. He may have been a stand-up guy. I may be just speaking out of turn. He may have paid everybody on Tuesday. But that's this idea. This is a person that goes around and they make promises they're not going to keep. If they can, they might, but they're not going to be worried about it. It is a person that goes around and with witnesses is making promises they cannot keep. Here's what the Bible says. Two things. Avoid that person and do not be that person. That is a senseless, dumb person that makes promises they can't keep. Verse 19, I think it's weird how this follows it. He who loves transgression loves strife. He who raises his door seek destructions. Destruction. He who loves transgression loves strife. He who raises his door seeks destruction. Verse 19 is an interesting verse. It says, he who loves transgression, that means sin, evil, trouble. This person stirs in it. They dwell in it. They deal in sin. This is a person that deals in sin. Now, here's what the verse says. That person that deals in sin loves strife, which means turmoil, division, or fighting. The person that loves sin, that dwells in sin, they love strife, division, turmoil, and fighting. Now, here's what that means. One of those things marks the other thing. That's the wisdom we get out of this verse. One of those things marks the other thing. And so if you find a person that loves sin, You can be sure if you hang around long enough, you're going to find strife and division and fighting. You find this person and say, well, that's not their sin. This is their sin. If you hang around long enough, you'll find strife and division and fighting. It is coming. But listen to this. Maybe more telling is when you find a person and they are surrounded by division and turmoil, and they got a problem with that person, and they got a problem with this person, and they can't get along with that person, and they can't get along with this person, and you find a person, and the course of their life is there is division all around them. It works both ways, and you can be sure that is a person operating in sin. And I'll just tell you, isn't that the truth? You find some person, and we might make excuses, but you find some person, and they are mean, and they are foul, and they are divisive, and they've always got a problem with somebody, and they love to fight, and they love to gossip, and they love to stir the pot, and you find a person, and that person in their life, there is no peace. Let me tell you this. In the life of that person, you'll not find Jesus Christ. You'll not find Jesus Christ. It works both ways. A person that's found in division always 
is a person that is steeped in sin. And a person that's steeped in sin, if you hang around long enough, there'll be division and strife in that person. Then it says this, and I thought this was interesting. He who raises his door seeks destruction. Now, what in the world is that talking about? This is a person who, another translation maybe makes it better, easier to understand, who lifts high his gate. So this person raises the door. This person raises, lifts high the gate. A, 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 a modern translation might say, shuts tight the door. Here's what this means. This is a person, you may know some, that have lived in a way that they have to avoid people. And they've upset so many people and they've burned so many bridges and they've talked about, they've gossiped about so many people and there are so many people that like to get their hands on them and they've not paid for so many hamburgers on Tuesday that they have to keep their distance from all people. Here's what the verse says. You find a person that has to avoid people because of the way that they have lived. And I can tell you some folks like this, their heart is set on destruction. Their heart is a sinful heart. They've made so many enemies, burned so many bridges, have so many people that like to get their hands on them, they have to shut high their gate. Here's what the Bible is saying in this verse. If you find a cagey, paranoid person, there's a reason behind it. You find a person that can't walk into people with their head up and their eyes up, there's a reason behind it. We're going to stop right there tonight. We'll end with that. All of that to say this, may we be wise tonight and practice godly wisdom. May we not just hear, but may we put it into practice. May we walk it out in obedience. May it change the course of our life. May we practice godly wisdom. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for the opportunity of tonight. We're thankful for the truth of your word. I pray that we've heard it. I pray that we've understood it. I pray that it struck a chord with us. And I pray that we would be different from an ignorant world and a foolish world. I pray we would operate in godly wisdom. I pray for our kids for our young people, for the, for the young homes, for the older folks. I pray that the pattern of our life would look like people that have submitted to and walk in godly wisdom for your name's sake and for your glory. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that you bless it. I pray that you encourage it. I pray that you'd strengthen it. I pray that you'd use it. Lord, I pray for those in our church that are hurting, those that have lost loved ones will have funerals this week those that are dealing with illness, sickness, those that have heard hard news, I pray, Lord, that you would be their peace, that you would be their strength, that we as their people would be their support, and I trust those situations to you as well. Lord, I pray as we head into a new week that we would be mindful of who we are, we'd be mindful of the name we carry, that we'd be mindful of the opportunity we have to live walking as flag bearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I pray we'd seize every opportunity. I pray for the folks here, the folks listening by some other meeting tonight, bless them, encourage them, use them tonight as well. We pray in Jesus' name, trusting this to you, in Jesus' name, amen.